Come learn about St. Charles. We've got a lot to share with new businesses and things to do. A good time isn't rare. It's going to be so much fun. And hold on, we're not done. Stay up to date with Nick and Nate. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the What's Up St. Charles podcast. I'm Nate. And I'm Nick. And we're going to have an episode where we're going to be delving into all the great outdoors here in St. Charles, where we're going to talk with our nature expert, Pam Otto, who is also the St. Charles Park District's Outreach Ambassador. So, Pam, thanks for coming on today. We're so excited to talk to you. Hey, Nate, Nick, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've been a huge part of the community for a while now, so I know a lot of people know about you, but for people that may not know about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what things you like to do here in St. Charles, how long you've been here, things like that. Sure. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I've been here now about 30 years, moved here in 1993. I was in love with the town long before I lived here. I grew up in Wheaton and this yeah. was always a destination. The Fox River runs right through town and there's plenty of opportunities to enjoy it both north and south of town, uh, as well as the bridges downtown. So it's a wonderful community, uh, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, that was you know, from a – oh, see, this is where I'm going to run off the rails. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> right. Go uh, off the rails as much as you want. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I moved here in 1993, started working for the Park District in 2007. So okay. uh, literally half of my time here in St. Charles has been uh, being a part of, of – uh, the park district and uh, offering all sorts of opportunities to enjoy this great outdoors that we have. Yeah, and so when you first joined up with the park district, were you like, did you sign up as the outreach ambassador then, or what? Did you start off as like, you know, nature like helping uh, hand? Or? That's a great, great question. <laughs> I did, and actually, you know, there, um, we had we didn't have a nature center in 2007. Okay. That was still kind of a, a distant uh, dream and, and hope. Yeah, uh, that came about as a result of a referendum that was passed in 2000. When I first started at the Park District, I was uh, my title was Nature Programs Manager. Okay. And uh, that was following in the steps of the woman who founded the Nature Department at the Park District. Her name is Mary Oxenslager. A lot of people around town still refer to Mary O. Okay. Um, when she when it came time for Mary to retire, um, they had to split her job up. She was doing so much, and uh, I took the education side of it. Yeah. And then. Um, yeah, the referendum passed in 2008. Uh, the next two years were meeting after meeting, planning uh, Hickory Knolls. And then we, uh, we opened in 2011. And okay. I served then as the building manager till about 2018 when I just had to get back outside again. <laughs> the park district was <laughs> sure. kind enough to let me do it. Yeah, I gotcha. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, it feels so strange to say 2011, like, that's when Hickory Knoll started because, like, it feels like it's been there forever. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's just crazy. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And, and I'm thrilled to hear you say that, too, because, um, you know, it it wasn't all that long ago that it wasn't there. And I, in fact, in yeah, the back it's of only, my mind. What, 12 years ago? So. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, on the one time, I was like, wow, where did 12 years go? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know but, time just kind of get all distorted, especially after 2020. Oh, but, yeah. you know, I've thrown yeah. 12 years ago. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's it's a, a, a wonderful asset to the community. Uh, we're yeah. actually undergoing some renovations there to make it even more um, useful. To awesome. uh, our local residents, and then it's attached. I tell you, my favorite part of the building is what it's attached to, which is the Hickory Knolls Natural Area. It's mm-hmm. 130-ish acres of woodlands, wetlands, prairies. Everything that we built the center to honor mm-hmm. is right yeah. outside the door. 
Yeah, no, I that area is just so beautiful and so lovely. So and I'm glad that we could keep that a natural area because those are just so important for communities. So yeah, it's you know it's a nice place for people to uh, to walk through and enjoy. And before I worked at the park district, those 15 years when I was merely a resident here, yeah, <laughs> um, I used to go out there and I would literally get lost in those hills. Um, <laughs> Granted, my sense of direction isn't that great, <laughs> but you know we're so used to being on flat ground here in Illinois and. And the knolls of Hickory Knolls are actually glacial deposits that date back you know, thousands of years. And you can walk out there. And our path system has improved quite a bit, uh, but uh, it's not hard to lose yourself, especially when you get to the back. You can actually walk a mile uh, west on our trails where you have to turn around and come back. Yeah. So. So, and can you talk about where your uh, passion for nature started? You know, was it, you know, something that, you know, was passed on through your parents or like you went to school and you did like a project where you had to like capture a butterfly or like help the yeah. butterfly grow or something? <laughs> Let or, the butterfly go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not capture a butterfly. That would be wrong. But uh, to, you know, because I remember it was the projects where like you get a caterpillar and then, you know, a cocoon and then you get the butterfly and then you let them all go and stuff. So was it something like that or? You know, I wish I knew the answer to that. People have asked me that question question before and I have no idea I, <laughs> I was literally born this way um, my, my parents my brother cousins extended family they're all like hmm just grew up with green thumbs <laughs> but I, I don't my my earliest memory uh, was when I was about three years old and um, we were living my, my folks were building the house that we ultimately grew up in, but we were living in a house that my grandmother owned. Yeah. It was a house she was, had grown up in. So old house had a cistern out back. And uh, grandma says, when, as we're moving in, she goes, now, Pammy, you stay away from that cistern because there's snakes in there. And she may as well have said there was a gold mine there. <laughs> I, I went there immediately. I got the boys next door to help me pry the lid off. And I just sat there staring and waiting for snakes to appear. And it was only, I, I think I was in my 50s before I realized there were no snakes there. That was yeah. just what she told, because, you know, what normal kid would, would go towards snakes? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> uh, little girl, you know. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know where it came from, and um, I'm just glad I, I've got it. It's yeah. been a lifelong uh, pursuit and a passion, and thrilled to be able to share it. Absolutely. So I guess when and how, because you've been referred to as the nature nerd, yeah. Did you give yourself that nickname? Was it given to you? How did that come about? What's the story about so, that? So, Nick, so that was um, kind of, it was supposed to be a nature nerd. That, that came about after we started working with WGN, mm -hmm. and okay. we were looking for something that was kind of kitschy. Uh, I actually have a, a group of very dear friends that are referred to in the plural as nature nerds okay. and we you know, we get every uh, gather every friday in fact a lot of times our destinations are right here in st charles uh just this past friday in the rain the walk was through mount st mary's and then over to wheeler in, uh, in geneva uh, but we've been doing this uh well we've been friends for years and years uh, we really started to uh, become uh dedicated to our friday walks during the pandemic because it was a way we sure. could get together yeah and uh, the outdoors and distance and all the things we were supposed to be doing but um yeah when when um, the uh, producer at uh, wgn was she said you know we need something to call you and i said well how about i'm, I'm just a nature nerd 
and so they added the the and that's what's just kind of stuff yeah it was. and it's i mean it gets really nerdy sometimes <laughs> well, we're excited to tap into that nerdiness here on the podcast so now let's keep going on with the question yeah so i know we've kind of touched on the hickory knolls discovery center a little bit mm-hmm. i mean what do you recommend like let's say you haven't been there before mm-hmm. What kind of things can you expect there? What are your some favorite things at the uh, Discovery Center or maybe exhibits that are really neat? So, so yeah, Hickory Knolls, we, uh, when we opened uh, 12 years ago, as we said, but it, we're still th- the new kid on the block. Sure. We've got uh, Creek Bend Nature Center at Leroy Oaks, and then there's Peck Farm Park to the south and Geneva smack in the middle. Uh, we, uh, from the start, distinguished ourselves with our live animal exhibits. Mm-hmm. Right front and center in the uh, uh, in the lobby, we have our Blanding's turtle pond. Now, Blanding's turtles are an endangered species here yeah. in Illinois. They're actually a candidate for federal uh, endangered status. It's something we when when you learn about endangered species, it's you know, the blue whales and the Siberian mm-hmm. tigers and things sure. like that. And we have a lot of endangered species right here in Illinois. Um, not all federally endangered, which is actually a good thing, but um, plants and animals both. And the Blanding's turtles, uh, we were fortunate enough to hop on uh, with our partners in DuPage County with their Blanding's recovery project. And uh, so we're able to showcase that rare turtle. We've actually, over the course of the Nature Center's uh, existence, we've heard from, I believe now, four different people who have found Blanding's turtles in the greater metro area as a result of the education they received through that pond. So um, it's it's kind of sad that we can count the number of Blanding's turtles in the wild, but the goal of the project is to bring them back. So I'd say right. definitely, uh, and, and plus turtles are a win all the way around. Everybody loves <laughs> turtles. Um, we've got um, several other reptiles, uh, not really by design, but uh, reptiles are easy, uh, relatively easy to keep. And uh, another kind of secret mission of mine, you know, we mentioned the snakes in the cistern. I've always felt like snakes are misunderstood and undervalued and having a variety of, uh, we, we try to do native snakes, but honestly, native species belong in the outdoors whenever possible. Right. We weren't mm-hmm. going to go out and collect things that, um, yeah, remove them or, from the natural habitats, yeah, and yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of corn snakes that are just like puppy dogs, and and, and we also <laughs> we've named them names that are friendly. A lot of nature centers say well, we're not going to name our animals because they're not pets. We don't want to give the impression that they are. Right. Well, we feel that giving an animal a name breaks down barriers, and with snakes, there are barriers a mile high with some people. Sure. And if you meet a Kevin. You know, you can't be afraid of a Kevin the corn <laughs> snake, Billy the bull snake, Paul the ball python, yeah. you know, names like that um, knocks on those initial barriers. Now, sometimes people have a phobia and that's, you know, that's very difficult to, yeah. to, uh, to deal with. But um, yeah, so, you know, meet the live animals, get acquainted with what might be outdoors. We've got a uh, bird viewing area uh, with bird feeders. We've got a chart of all the local feeder species that you might, um, the birds that come to bird feeders that you're uh, likely to encounter. Um, and then, yeah, get on outside. The The building is situated so that it faces east to west. And when you look out our east windows, you see the St. Charles of today. You see Harvest Hill subdivision. You see the water tower. You see development. Yeah. And when you look to the west, you see the St. Charles that drew all the settlers here, the oak trees, the the uh, expansive prairies, yeah. um, things like that. And um, the building is meant to be a gateway. 
So get your orientation while you're indoors and then head outside. Yeah, oh, really absolutely. Neat. No, I love visiting over there because I take my dog, Augie, over to the dog park all the time. Yeah. I love the dog park over there. It's such a nice area. And then sometimes we'll go usually towards like the earlier spring, late fall because some he's, he's a tick magnet. So, <laughs> you know, especially when we go through oh. the hills, I'm just like, I'll wait till maybe it's not tick season to go take him back through there. So. It's, boy, <laughs> we could do a whole show on ticks, couldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, yes. but there, there's ways to, you know, to, to deal with them and avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, permethrin sprays for humans that will treat your clothing, and it mm-hmm. gives the ticks a condition called hot foot, where they, it's not just a repellent, but they, they touch your clothing and they, they jump off because yeah. it, it actually causes a reaction Ooh, with their okay. feet. I'll and have to then, check that out. Cause yeah, <laughs> well, because like I'm changer. the same way. <laughs> I've got three dogs, uh, okay. Nate, and um, yeah, I, I'm... I'm cautious but i um i think ticks are just something once you know them you know you know how to deal with them right absolutely and so there uh hickory knolls has educational programs for people Mm -hmm. to uh you know take to learn more about you know the natural area uh Mm -hmm. is there any that you know you should mark our calendars for any coming up any currently taking place (laughs) just happen to have a list And uh, we've got a, a couple of family-oriented programs I'd like to uh, highlight for this summer. One is on August 10th. That okay. is the Eco Float on a riverboat. We partner with Ooh, Culver's. Okay. You get a root beer float, and we go up and down the river, and we look at the uh, you know the birds, the turtles, we, you know whatever else we can spot uh, cool. during that. Uh, it's kind of right uh, at dusk, so it's a nice time, a lot of activity on the river sure. at yeah. that time. Uh, and then just two days later, on Saturday, August 12th, we have the Rusty Rodeo, which is a program we do in partnership. Yeehaw, right? Uh, we do that in partnership with, uh, it was actually the brainchild of our friends down at the Fox Valley Park District okay. um, and in the Forest Preserve District of King County. Uh, there's a species of crayfish in the river that was introduced uh, years ago called the Rusty Crayfish. Uh, it's it's uh, I don't know if I could say it's more obnoxious <laughs> than other okay. than our native species, but it's it, it uh, grows faster, it reproduces at higher rates, it um, destroys habitat as it feeds, um, it, it makes life difficult for our native species. So uh, gathering those uh, rusty crayfish uh, out of the river, and then uh, so so people can come down, bring your nets, bring your buckets. It's funny you say that, Nate. We get especially scout groups. They go, So are we gonna eat these afterwards? And I always say, Well, it's not us that's going to eat them, it's the turtles. You know, we oh, mentioned that turtle okay. exhibit. Um, both uh, Hickory Knolls and Red Oak Nature Center in North Aurora have have uh, pretty expansive turtle displays. And yeah. turtles love crayfish. It's the lobster for turtles. Ooh, so um, so yeah, all the the, um, the ones that we collected last year, um, just at one site, we had over 1,500 in a two-hour period. Wow, so nice. I mean, these things are everywhere. Um, <clears throat> we're going to gather at the west end of the uh, Piano Factory Pedestrian Bridge. Okay. And um, that whole stretch from, from the Pedestrian Bridge down uh, into Mount St. Mary's Park we're going to go after those rusties and it's it's a fun time and you know, august uh, tends to be pretty warm mm-hmm. so uh we're gonna uh, go in the river from 11 to 1 p.m and uh, see just how many yeah. uh, rusties we can and then help feed the turtles and then and then we take them back we yeah we freeze them and then we've got turtle food for a year yeah Man, that's awesome so, so those are our, our family programs we've got a couple of adults only programs uh, okay. one is um 
on June 22nd. It's a Thursday evening. We're partnering with our friends over at Pollyanna Brewing. Okay. And uh, we've got a program called Flights of Fancy. So you know how you, you go and you, you can taste a flight of beer sure. and yeah. get a sense of, sure. you know, the different nuances of the flavors. Uh, well, we're combining that concept with uh, flights of birds. So the cool. birds that you'll see along the river. Um, and so we'll do a little narrating on, on our beer samples and then we'll do a little uh, discussion of the birds that we're seeing so, cool. so that's coming up uh, that's June 22nd okay and then one more on um, uh, Sunday August 27th we're gonna have uh, monarchs and mimosas so it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a brunch program <laughs> yeah uh, where we uh, that's right at the start of the monarch migration Mar- monarchs uh, there's there's other species of butterflies that migrate but monarchs are the ones that go all the way to mexico mm-hmm. and, and i think uh, we're probably one of the more popular butterflies that people they see are. around They're, i call so. them the poster child yeah. so <laughs> people always uh, can identify with and identify a monarch butterfly right and so uh, we're going to combine um as Tales of what is facing the monarch these days, some of the trials that they're experiencing, right. things we can do to help monarchs. Uh, and then we'll see what we can see from the river in terms of monarch and also bird migration, because that is also the start of our, believe it or not, fall migration of our bird species. Yeah, uh, We're going to wrap that program up with a tour of our native plant garden at Potawatomi. So, Perfect. Um, Lots of fun coming up. So you have, you know, that really popular nature column in the Chronicle, Good Nature in St. Charles. How long have you been doing that? How long has that been going on? Nick, that goes back to, I mentioned uh, Mary O, uh, our predecessor, the founder of the Nature Department. Mary actually started that uh, program with the Kane County Chronicle uh, as a means of educating the public, mm-hmm. but also promoting uh nature programs yeah mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of morphed over time it, it's taken on a life of its own i started writing it in 2008 so shortly after i, I joined the park district mm-hmm. and um i found that there were so many questions that were generated um just random calls uh from the community about different things i thought that there was a, a need to educate through the newspaper so um it's grown into what it is today um uh, i don't even remember how we came up with good natured but it's it's <laughs> stuck and yeah. i think it's a, a a good banner to write about because so often and you can even do this on google you look up pretty much any uh, species around here that maybe isn't you know the top 10 desirable things you know mice for instance there's a lot of interesting uh, rodent species we have around here but you look up rodents on the internet and your 20 top 20 hits are how to get rid of and right. you know they bring a lot to the table now they're, they're, they shouldn't be in your kitchen eating your cereal but right. <laughs> but you know they feed a lot of local wildlife people mm-hmm. love hawks people love owls and um that's their That's main food source. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's been um, now. This is year fifteen wow. for good natured. So, are there any, I guess, um, maybe favorite pieces that you've written that come to mind? Uh, you know, there's repeating themes okay. I found in. Uh, don't let this get out, but I do <laughs> sometimes uh, rerun columns. I'll update them as as yeah. information, more current information, is available. But yeah, there's some uh, themes like. Uh, Right now, there's the, the uh, spring bird migration, sure. and uh, I had written a column based. Sometimes I get you know earworms where a song's running through my head, and and you know there's the ZZ Top song, uh, Sharp Dress Man. Well, that song epitomizes 
ma- spring migration yeah. and yeah. the colors the male birds are wearing. And so, you know, every girl's crazy about a sharp dressed man. So um, that's one that I always think of at this mm-hmm. time of year. Um, another music based column is the uh, Red Winged Blackbirds and uh, the boys are back in town, you oh, know, yeah. with. Uh, yeah. Thin Lizzy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the I'm red. I'm kind of dating myself, I suppose, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I, I appreciate the red winged blackbirds for how pretty they are. I don't appreciate, there's always one that's out here in yes. front of the municipal building that is very uh, protective. Oh, I'm um, so, okay, if we can spend just a second. Yes, yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. So everybody says, and sometimes it'll even be on the, the, the television news about you know, the killer birds, and everybody wants to draw a parallel between <laughs> red winged blackbirds and for Hitchcock's the birds well these guys their stress level continues to increase they're 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 actually at a a somewhat low level right now because the females are nesting now it's females plural this is a a polygynous species which means one male has more than one mate Okay. okay and it can be anywhere from two to maybe five or six so as those eggs hatch and those nestlings develop he's got more and more responsibility to protect his offspring yeah and then they leave the nest <laughs> so now he's yeah. got you know maybe 30 little ones he's got to try and so it's the males that are swooping so not it's the, the female yeah so okay. the females I go it was for females. the yes. females go almost undetected we have we have actually we have a pair at hickory knolls where the uh, the, the female has joined the male okay. um and she'll dive bomb as well <laughs> uh bless her heart <laughs> but she um she looks like or the the Female red wing, they some people mistake them for like giant sparrows. They're they're very cryptically colored. Mm-hmm. They're they're brown, uh, streaked brown, so they blend right into their nests, uh, nesting environment. And um, uh, they <clears throat> leave all the most of the defensive duties go to the male. Now the secret is to stay one step ahead of them. So you already know where your guy is out here, yep. right? Oh yeah. Um, it's they, just, you stare at them essentially because yes. they, they will try to swoop from behind. Yes, so. you've got it. And, <laughs> yep. and that's what you need to do because they will not fly towards eyes. So yes. if you can keep your eyes on them, they won't fly towards you. I actually had a friend who um, was having terrible trouble. He's a, he a big guy. He's actually a triathlete. <laughs> and um, he would train a lot on the Fox River. And he's like, damn, I don't want to go out there anymore because the birds are picking on me. Yep. So uh, what we did is we took um, those oh, jiggly eyes. Yeah, so I was going to talk about that. I did that as well. So when Because I, I was a frequent runner, and I would run along the Mississippi back in college. Uh-huh. And I get swooped at all the time. And one of the things that I read is you put googly eyes on the back of Like you put a backwards hat on, have googly yeah. eyes, and they won't swoop at you. Yep. Have you heard about this? I, I have not. Yeah. This is yeah. the first time I'm hearing about it, but if it works, it, it, it works. works. Yeah. You have to sacrifice a little dignity, but <laughs> in the end, if it makes you feel safe, but yeah, they if when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. These are they don't want to cause harm to anything uh, most importantly themselves. Sure. Uh, they just want to deter people from the area where right. their family is growing. So, um Picture a bird flying towards a cat. I mean, that cat's going to reach up, claws out, and 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 that bird might be history. People tend to do the same thing, you know, flailing around, slapping. So, um, especially a big triathlete might hurt a little bit to get hit by him. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that sneak attack from behind, just a glancing blow. um, You know, it's startling. Uh, They, I have heard had people tell me they have had blood drawn, especially Mm -hmm. uh, you know people not wearing. Yeah, but um, yeah, the the 
jiggly eyes, googly eyes, did you find it work for you, Nate? Oh, yeah. No, it's like game changer. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, I would hear them the and I would just be like, okay, just trust the googly eyes. Yep. Never had a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> to start wearing some to the office every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think maybe the municipal building, we'll just ha we'll talk to the city admin about getting uh, googly eyes for every person. To you know, safety <laughs> vest for when you're out on the street directing traffic and googly eyes when you're coming to the office. <laughs> so, and it makes for fun stories because people pass by and they'll like look at you like, Scrolling on their hat there, and then the bird will die, Bob, and they'll be like, "Ow!" Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really works. <laughs> so, well, to keep on the silly part of it, you know, because we like to keep it lighthearted, uh, we're going to go into a break after this. So, uh, for the silly question, um, if you had to compare your personality to one of the animals that is native to the Fox Valley area, which one would it be, and why? So I actually wrote a column about this several years ago, okay. um, and I might have rerun <laughs> it too because <clears throat> uh, it's one of my favorite birds. It's the cedar waxwing, and this is a bird. Um, they're they're beautiful. They're sometimes mistaken for female cardinals. They have a little crest on their head. They're a, a, say a, a buffy, uh, almost a fawn brown color, <clears throat> and uh, but they have a, a blush of yellow. Yeah. And then they have red, uh, where they get their name is the red wax-like substance that's on their wings. And uh, uh, so I don't look like that. But <laughs> um, I, I was reading an, uh, an older account of the species, this decades-old account of the cedar waxwing. And they were described as a bird um, that practices crapulence. So... I had to look the word up, <laughs> but it means eating and drinking to excess. Okay. To the and this is a bird that will. Um, they're they're somewhat known for. This is gonna make me sound bad though. Um, it's all they're, good. they're somewhat known for. Uh, you know, um, they're, they're, they switch to eating berries when insects aren't around. They are year-round yeah. resident in this area. They they move around in flocks, but they don't migrate long distances. And okay. um, you know, the winter time, our fruits. Uh, say crab apples, uh, different types of berries, they are hanging on the trees or they're on the ground, they're fermenting. Mm. And so these birds, not only will they stuff themselves so that sometimes oh, they, they get a little fly, bit but sometimes uh, they get happy a hour with their, yeah, yeah. Happy why live it happy to an hour, right? <laughs> so, so I don't know, I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and it's not something that I practice as a regular part of my lifestyle, but I just thought, boy, you know, if you want a spirit bird, why not get a happy one? <laughs> <No. laughs> they're, they're also... Uh, they're really social birds too, and yeah. um, I do enjoy my privacy, but I also you know, like, like hanging social, out with yeah. people. Yeah. So I, I, in fact, I just saw a flock of cedar waxwings yesterday. Made me nice. made me really happy to see yeah. them up in the tree. Yeah. Absolutely. So all right. Well, we're gonna take a short break, everyone. We're gonna be back with some more questions for Pam after this break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Break Between the Podcast. It's Nate, and hope you've been enjoying the episode here. Don't have too much announcements here for the Break Between the Podcast, but if you're able to stick around, we'd love to have you. So let's dive right into them. So summer is right around the corner, and you don't want to miss out on all the fun happening here in St. Charles. And there's plenty of ways to enjoy your summer fun here. First up is STC Live, which will take place at different uh, restaurants and venues all throughout St. Charles on Wednesdays and Fridays throughout the summer. It's live music performances that are going to be phenomenal. So if you want to check that out, make sure to check out our website, 
at www.stcalliance.org slash stclive. In addition to STC Live, we also have our live music listing on our website where you can check out all the live music performances happening here in St. Charles. You can catch out the Thursday night performances over at Lincoln Park or live music at one of our various bars and restaurants. You can find the whole shebang, so make sure to check out that on our website. Also, if you want to get an amazing beverage or maybe go find some amazing meals, make sure to check out our Happy Hour Hub, which is located on our website as well. You can find every day of the week where we have happy hour specials where maybe you get off work a little bit early and you're like, hey, I need to go hit up a place to go get a nice appetizer or a drink to kind of cool off and enjoy my summer day. Well, the happy hour hub is there for you. So make sure to go check it out and go check out all the amazing happy hour specials here in St. Charles. Also, if you're looking for a little fun activity and want to stretch out your brain a little bit, maybe you should go try out some of our trivia here in St. Charles. We have a whole bunch of trivia going on throughout the week at various uh, venues here in St. Charles. So if you want to check that out, we also have that on our website. We have a lot on our website. So make sure to just check out our website if you get a chance. But make sure to check out the trivia page specifically if you want to try out trivia stuff. And of course, if you want to enjoy all things St. Charles during the summer and want to find some maybe hidden gems or go exploring here a little bit, make sure to check out our Travel St. Charles app, which is available on the Apple and Android stores. It has all the information where you can create your own tours or you could take some of our own tours. You can take our brew tour ta- challenge and so much more. So make sure to check that out. Give it a download. Give it a try because there's a lot that you can find on that app. That will wrap up our break between the podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed listening. Let's get right back into the action so we can find out what's up, St. Charles. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the break. We're going to continue now into talking a little bit about sustainability here in the Fox Valley because it's something that we at the Alliance, we really want to focus on this year. We're making our events a lot more greener. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about sustainability a little bit. So, Nick, go ahead with some of our questions. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we want people to, you know, enjoy the beautiful outdoors we have in St. Charles. But uh, I guess what is the importance of, I guess, taking care of your surroundings, taking care of the environment? Boy, yeah, that's a that's a great question, Nick. And um, there's a lot we can do mm-hmm. to help. Uh, whatever is good for us is also good for the environment, and whatever mm-hmm. is good for the environment is also good for us. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one thing that um, I've developed, I've got a lot of weird little nature hobbies that I do, and, and one of them is as I'm walking, and I walk along the river. I, I walk actually a lot of places, mm-hmm. and if, if it's at all possible for people to leave the car at home, you know, walk into town or... or take a uh, bike or... Exactly, sure. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that in itself is extremely helpful. But as you're walking, um, pick up some trash. I know it's not glamorous, but um, it makes a huge difference. Uh, and I'm, I'm always surprised. Like t- today, uh, I live on the west side of town, uh, and it was our trash pickup day. And there's always stuff that doesn't quite make sure. it. So mm-hmm. envelopes fly out of the recycling. And, you know, um, I try to pick up things along the way. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that might not be for everybody. But it is a way to to really, you know, help things yeah. look neater for us. Something that is not only helping things look nicer, but is actually, I believe, saving lives is along the river, keeping an eye open for fishing line. 
There is a ton out there. Some of it is accidental. Somebody, you know, gets a snag and they break off and then it right. works its way loose. But some of it, I think, is just, I don't know. People get frustrated and they just leave this big wad of line there. Um, we've had to rescue uh, great blue herons. Um, there was a, a more than one occasion we've had robins get entangled in fishing line. Um, Baltimore Orioles, there's an attraction for that. They want fibrous materials to build uh, their okay. their basket-like nests. Right. And fishing line is one of them. Um, if, if we can pick things like that up, I actually keep an eye out for fishing line um, and rubber bands. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of gross too, but people leave dental floss. I mean, come on, folks. <laughs> um, I, I do carry gloves with me, sure. but I right, will sure. also sometimes I'll forego something really until I'm properly, you know, sure. I know nobody else is going to pick it up. I'll come back and get it later. Yeah. But yeah, things like that are, are just really helpful, um, not only for us, but for our wild neighbors too. Sure, and I imagine you know if everyone just did you know their little part every day, it can make it can go a long ways. Yeah. Yep, little well, part to make a big difference. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I got a, a great uh, my friend Terry last year gave me this awesome gift. It's a uh, it's a bowl that collapses and it fits in my bag, and when I go out to eat, I toss it in. So if I have leftovers, I'm not taking a container. And I know there's a lot of restaurants in town. They're using the compostable containers. That's, yeah. There's a whole other side to that. They're difficult to compost in a residential setting. Um, and some people are using foil, totally recyclable. <clears throat> but there's um, you know, other materials that are not recyclable. And the key, you, know, you hear a lot of people talking about recycling, really um, reducing the amount of materials that you're using is, is more sustainable. Um, right. Using something that can be reused is super helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we want to, you know, take care of, you know, the natural areas that we have, you know, take care of the outdoors. But why is it also important to have a good knowledge on the ecosystems that we have, to be educated on that? Oh, because, that's a good question too, Nick. You know, we can do uh, unintentional harm if okay. we're not, um, and you don't have to have, you don't, you don't have to live and breathe this stuff. Sure. Um, but just having a, a passing knowledge. A good example, I, I received an inquiry the other day about um, using assassin bugs as a way of biological insect control. You know, in the insect world, there's, it's drama every day. You know, insects are eating other insects all the time. Yep. And there are some that have acquired the title of a beneficial insect. A good example of that is our praying mantids. Um, on the surface, it sounds good. You're not using chemicals. You're using bugs to eat other bugs. However, um, the mantids that we see in this area are not native species. The, the most common species is it's the Chinese mantid. It grows to a size that's so large it actually um, the adult females eat vertebrate prey. Not exclusively. They'll eat you know insects too, but they are capable of, of eating a baby mouse or a young snake or you know things that... <clears throat> we're trying to encourage right um, right and they're they're not a specific um you can't let them loose and say okay i only want you to eat this bug yeah you know, they're gonna eat whatever like, they can they're no. opportunistic <laughs> yeah so um you know the the uh, assassin bug inquiry you know i thought oh you know I, I wasn't that familiar with that insect as i was with the praying mantis so i did a little research yeah what is a assassin so bug, assassin <laughs> bugs are just like feels like there's like a movie like assassin bug <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> in yeah. a world <laughs> ninja 
assassin bug. <laughs> they, they, um, there's, there's many, many different species, but the one that has been cultivated uh, and is for sale online, um, it's a, uh, an insect of the south and south, uh, from the southeast from the so- to the southwest. So okay. southern, it, it, its natural range does not include northern Illinois. So bringing that insect here, um, again, on, on the one hand, you maybe can avoid using... Uh, pesticides it's supposed to focus it's also called the leafhopper assassin mm-hmm. and leafhoppers some of them do suck uh, plant juices to the detriment of their host plant but gotcha um you're bringing in a non-native species which um could do unintentional harm right um we've had a lot of insect invaders over the years that were brought here either on purpose or accidentally that have created disasters the emerald ash borer is a great example now it was an unintentional introduction but my gosh it cost the city millions of dollars Mm -hmm. and uh, homeowners too to replace the trees that were killed by that one little bug that made its way in so so yeah you know knowing what belongs and what doesn't Mm -hmm. is um is really helpful um also knowing uh wildlife intentions Uh, i have a friend my friend peggy always says wildlife isn't random if you've got a squirrel in your attic it's not picking on you it's there because it found a weak spot in your eaves and it's up to you to keep your home maintained right cut that tree down that's giving it access to your house um same with you know you you, you've got this invasion of rodents but you've got 20 bird feeders in your yard it's not random (laughs) (laughs) they're there because you're giving it something free Sure. In, in right. terms of, of food. So, um, yeah, I think knowing uh, what the expectations are and that anything an animal does can always, if it's if it's uh, a conflict with humans, it's it's because there's something There's the something human led to done. it, yes. Yeah, yeah. so gotcha. I think, you know, the more you can educate yourself on that, um, the more you take your classes. Yeah, <laughs> well, speaking of education <laughs> and classes, hint, hint. you know, can you talk about any upcoming seminars or nature talks that you guys are hosting to, you know, educate some people on some of these topics? Yeah, well, you know, there's a, a wonderful program, and every year um, it, it um, becomes more, uh, you know, we got to start over. I'm oh, it's all good. Direction. <laughs> uh, we have a, a wonderful program um, that is getting more popular every year. It is called the Kane County Certified Naturalist Program. Now, okay. you know, I, I don't know what it is with nature education, but so often people think of it as it's something for kids. You know, it's something my kid wants mm-hmm. to do. My kid likes nature. Yeah. And then grown-ups just never get back to it. You mm-hmm. know, the kid grows up and they go on to other things. Um, it's it's a very complex topic. Um, you know, uh, we might... Um, Kids might have uh, a passion for it. Um, we like to reignite that passion uh, when it comes to adults. And uh, so King County Certified Naturalist is a program that we co-op with uh, Forest Preserve District of King County as well as the Geneva Park District. It's a year-long certification program. Okay. Uh, we start in January with uh, six evening courses on Thursday nights. Uh, we cover um, ecology, geology, And then we delve into woodlands, wetlands, prairies, and then our final course ties everything together. Um, How all of, ecology is the study of interconnectedness. So uh, we we show how, you know, clean water uh, is not just something that's good for the things that live in that water, but for everybody else around it. Right. Things like that. So um, uh, KCCN, as we refer to it, 
then progresses into field trips. Okay. We have four field trips to woodlands, wetlands, prairies. Um, and then we uh, offer classes, we call them learn from the experts. Uh, now the ones I teach, I tend to call learn from the eccentrics because we, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we look at specific areas of our local ecology. So we call that the advanced coursework. People also have opportunities to volunteer with those three agencies. Um, whether it's teaching others about the outdoors or working on uh, ecological restoration. Um, there's, there's lots of opportunities to get those 30 hours that are necessary for certification. Absolutely. Um, we actually have our, our graduating, um, our class that's been meeting for the past year is graduating very soon. Um, we have a blog, we usually get 80 to 100 people to come to the ceremony. They awesome. Get their, you know. Yeah. Certificate, hearty handshake, and a special <laughs> logoed polo shirt with the KCCN emblem on it. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Very excited about awesome. that. Awesome. So, yeah, well, Pam, that brings us to about all the questions that we have for you. So you've done an amazing job today. It's been awesome to get to talk about nature and sustainability and what we can do in our part to, you know, really help the, the Fox Valley area. So is there anything that you'd like to say to the St. Charles community before we wrap up here? Hey, I, I uh, just like to say nature knows no boundaries uh you can go out um no matter where you are you can uh, relax uh unwind um and if you're not careful you might learn something too so, <laughs> uh, yeah we've got wonderful resources right here in town i encourage everybody to take advantage at every possible opportunity absolutely so okay. well pam thank you again for coming on today it's been great to talk to you Everyone go check out the Hickory Knolls Discovery Center and also just get out in nature. Go out for a walk on the Fox Valley yes. River uh, Trail. Uh, head over to Hickory Knolls and head on the, the Hickory Knolls Trail and get out there and really explore what St. Charles has to offer because we have so much great things here. Yes. So um, that will wrap up our podcast here. We'll have more episodes coming down the line. So until then, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Yeah.